0: Welcome to the Beyond the Massacre podcast with Cam Lee. I'm your host, Pete Sludge Monster 76 Get ready to hear the untold story of the history of death metal. The truth they don't want you to know. The version they don't want you to hear. From the man himself, Cam Lee. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Beyond the Massacre podcast.
1: Other failed project of mine. So many of those um, tombs, or not tombstones. I'm sorry. It was um, uh, it. What might have been early tombstone stuff. It was uh, a couple songs I'd written, total head removal, and uh, things like that. That. I actually had music and lyrics for both and I just kind of sent Ash videos of me playing them and and we got to pull those off and some of the songs were just Ash and myself some of the songs were Ash and Vanessa only you know it, right. it was it was a little the 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 downside of that was is working with a label is frustrating enough no way <laughs> <laughs> working with like eight or nine different labels to coordinate eight or nine different splits is yeah. uh, a little bit crazier and in the end i think it was a lot more work than for billy unfortunately than than i had anticipated but it's it still it, it was still cool there are several surgical splits out there with other great bands uh and 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 it was it was fun and I, I tried to get another album going. I, I had interest in it. Nash did too. And uh, it's kind of around the time. I think Billy was going through some stuff on his end. And so it just kind of sat there. It's not over, but um, <laughs> it might be for me. I don't know. I got COVID <laughs> a couple of years ago. And ever since then, every time I growl, it's like I get three verses in and I just cough for four hours.
0: Dude, So no. I, I had the same thing. Actually, I got it just before. So I actually... I tour managed massacre and I was out there this summer and I'd gotten COVID six weeks before. And, Uh, and I, so that was my third time having COVID. And I was, Oh my gosh, we did, uh, we did 99 stab wounds. I was singing with cam on stage and those first couple shows, man, it was, it was not happening. I mean, it, there was yeah. just, there was nothing there anymore. And I mean, you know, I've, I've been singing since I was 13 and I do like a lot of like acoustic beer garden stuff for the Germans. And dude, this was my first time in my life where I went to go use my voice and yeah. it, it just, what was coming out was not me. And it literally, is exactly yeah. I was like, this is exactly the most fucked is. up thing in the world, man. I'm like, this can't yeah. be, I can't lose the one thing I got, man
1: right yeah 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 and and and, you know with allergies allergy capital down here so i got allergies on top of that and it's been really hard to try and and figure out how to do that without just yeah like you say you start hacking and then all of a sudden there's just nothing
0: there that's exactly how it is it's really weird yeah it's funky it's funky but all right, so uh, Mr. Lee, uh, yes, I- I'm going to mm-hmm. basically let you drive this one because you know, obviously, you and you know you you and Steve are, are are friends, and <laughs> it, it's it's going to make much more sense. I'll I'll pop in here and there for something, but you know what I mean. I mean, it's dude, this yeah. is what this is what people want to hear. You know what I mean? And you know, these are these are the cool things. Like you know, when we have you and Dave on, you know, people want to hear you and Dave talk stuff. So I okay. mean, that's that that's awesome. I mean, this is. I mean, I'm
2: just gonna I'm just gonna run it like like the usual. You know. Yeah, of like, course, talk to Febo like how, how how did he first start getting into it, like what was what was you know the days back in the trading days like. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> just run, it, just run it We go
1: way back, man. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, is- yeah. So a hundred, yeah,
0: like a hundred years ago. Wait, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, dude, <laughs> you know, Steve-O, I got to say, man, you dude, Impetigo is one of those bands, dude. So there were, there were, there are two demos that I remember getting and that was the your the first demo from you guys and the first Nihilist demo, everything else was just kind of a blur. But I mean, I mean, for uh, me personally, I mean, I, that was just, cause I'm like, I'm, uh, for i I'm five years younger than Cam. So yeah, I'm, well, I'm. we, we got to let
2: Steve know that, uh, that, um, how this circle runs is yes. everyone knew Jim.
0: Yes, everyone, exactly. Yeah. Everyone, everyone, yeah. Knew so Jim, everyone knew yeah. Jim from
2: Comatose, and that's Jim was literally. Uh, yeah, I, I gotta say, in Florida, Jim is the reason in got you know a little following down here because he was. Yes, he, yeah. he gave me the demo, and I was like, dude, this is the greatest thing ever, and it just was. It's, he circulated it everywhere?
0: Yeah, yeah he
1: it, was he, tireless, man. Yeah, he, and, he gave and me, his yeah. zine was, uh, and and you know, and I had, you know, and, and Mark. To, to yes. the same token you know mark mark knew everybody and he had a great zine and Jim zine was was fantastic it's hard you know i don't want to be the old guy that sits there and says you kids don't have any idea what we, it do, was it was time, like- we do it all the time brother we do it all the time kids have no idea what it was like it yes. was we were i i i always i preface this by saying you know the the whole underground music tape trading thing it was the last true grassroots American, actually, international music movement. Yeah, okay. yes. There's, 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 there was really wasn't anything like it before. It, it hit all the marks. Um, I mean, I guess folk music was huge, but but you, you had to really travel great distances uh, in order to 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 experience it and we we did it from our bedrooms yep and it yep. was amazing i mean you just it, it's and the gym uh the gym analogy is, is quite true it, it really just took one guy going hey you know check this out i mean we all started uh, like i did i was i was a punk rock guy um, in 1982 I had been punk rock guy for years. Um, fortunately, my my dad was a college professor, and he always had these college kids hanging out the house, getting drunk or whatnot. And they all had excellent records, and I was a record collector. And these guys would bring over these punk rock records. Oh, what the hell is this? Uh, you know, Dead Kennedys, uh, Black Flag, Germs, uh, European stuff. You know, compilations. Uh, the the crass record stuff. I mean, this one guy brought over a copy of Bullshit Detector and I was like, oh my God, this is the most fantastic thing ever. These guys are great. Way better than the Sex Pistols, right? Uh, Way better than Talking Heads. Although I like talking heads it's like this is this is me this is me right now you know this is this is this is what i'm thinking this is what i'm feeling and these guys are look at this they they typed this track list on a piece of paper cut it up and glued it to a picture of a guy shooting himself
2: yeah yeah
1: that exactly. is exactly that that is beyond that is that's cra- i can do that right here right and i literally had a newspaper sitting on the kitchen table made up a band on the spot and took all the song titles the band name and the pictures and on an eight and a half by 11 cut everything up and pasted it on there i'm like i'm good to go this is great (laughs) yeah and um yeah i discovered new wave of british heavy metal in like 81 or 82 I, i went as we all we all had a record store we went to when we were young Yep. And there's always some long haired hippie guy back there, you know, pushing stuff our way. Hey, you should check this out. And um and this guy said stuff before and he and he uh, well it was at I there was an Iron Maiden record he'd talking endlessly about and I'm like, I don't know about this. This looks a little weird to me. And yeah. he said, you know, he said well check this out and it was this live at the bbc comp and diamond head was on there and a lot of other and i i thought well this is not the the kind of rock and roll that all the other kids in town listen to this is really something different and then i kind of took a liking to iron maiden and i had a friend uh like me we lived in the trailer park and we wa we had we were readers of we read cream magazine right oh, yeah, that. cream was great and it had a picture and cream of this girl, with shaving cream all over her boobs, sawing a guitar in half. And I said, Randy, that's that shit is awesome. Look at that. And uh, lo a couple months, uh, or a couple weeks later, I think it was. It may have been months. It may have been years. You know, time kind of moved <laughs> slowly. Uh, we were watching Fridays, and the Plasmatics were on Fridays. And uh, you know, Cam and I, you you and I have talked about this. Yes. Before. But, you know, I was a punk kid trying to get my punk friends, all three of them, into metal. Yep. And they were like, no, 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 that's that's not what we want to do. And I was trying to get my metal friends into punk. And they're like, no, 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 that's what we do. It's not what we do. Yeah. And, you know, and they opened up with Living Dead. And the uh, first thing I thought is, exactly, this is what I'm talking about. These guys, these guys play punk, they play metal. There is no line. There's nothing. It's it's goulash. I love it. This is exactly, yep. this is exactly the kind of music that I have always heard in my head. And everyone told me I was nuts, and I've never actually heard it until now. And we actually hitched a ride to Rockford, Illinois, which is about 30 miles away, and bought a copy of New Hope for the Wretched and wore that sucker out. And that was um, the, the, I think the you know Dead Kennedys and Plasmatics and and stuff like that. Uh, it, it really started, uh, and then you know, from there, it was just kind of like, "This is the perfect music." I like punk, I like metal, but this is this is both. Yeah, uh, and and you know, I moved. I ended up moving to a, a, an area of the state that was a little, a little more uh, free thinking as far. As, and there were a couple bands in town. I tried to join them. Uh, I was always too sloppy a drummer, and. Uh, a little too crazy with my ideas, right, and some of these guys just wanted to play straight up stiff little fingers, and I'm like, "Uh, no, 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 you should do this, and they thought that was a little too much, but um, eventually, you you see local bands play, and, and, and a couple of them have tapes, and and you, you know, you, they either give them to you or you give them a couple bucks for a copy of their tape or whatever. And after a while, you just have this little stack of stuff that that you have and you can't find in a record store. Yes. And for yes. me, that was the big thing. And uh, <clears throat> and then you start going to shows. Uh, I was explaining this to my kids. There's a show an hour away. So you and your friends find a ride to a show. And, and at that show, there are other kids from an hour away all at the show. And you meet each other. And you kind of hang out and and you don't really have any other means of communication except for maybe talking on the phone or just going to another show and running into them and 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 as your network expands you kind of go a little farther like maybe we'll go to a show in chicago this time and there are some of the kids you've seen from the other shows and and oh yeah hey hey here's a here's some here's a tape with some bands on it and 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 you just start picking these tapes up and then one day you're looking at a copy of metal forces and you say, oh, look, all these people are putting their one ads in metal forces. Yep. Uh, your list gets mine. You know, yes. those four, yeah. those four magical words, your list gets mine. And, uh, and I've got a list and it fits on one side of paper and uh, i got a couple live shows that this kid taped for me i mean we all made tapes for each other but this was this was really getting into it this is this isn't stuff we couldn't afford to buy in the record store this is stuff that just wasn't in the record store and pretty soon you're getting a stack of envelopes and you're sending your list to all these people and all these people are sending you their lists and and you end up running <clears throat> into a guy, Mark Sewickus. I was in college. I was writing record reviews for my dorm newsletter, and let me tell you, it was it was uh, uh, it was stuff that uh, only for me uh, journalistic masturbation. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know, I think sacrificed are the gods. La 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 And Mark was in another dorm and his roommate who was scott who would eventually be in the band said hey this guy likes the same kind of music you do mark and mark got a hold of me and we got together and right away mark brought me a stack of tapes hey here you go anything you need uh and i really built my list then and he I had some stuff he wanted and uh I talked to carrie king on the phone here's a tape of it and before you know it uh, eighty-five or eighty-six—I can't remember. I'm—I'm I'm out of college, and I'm literally walking down the street of my neighborhood, um, with a boombox playing uh, the Mantis demo, <laughs> 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 you know, and. You know, like I'm some kind of, you know, flea bag gangster in the area or whatever. And there's these guys that are into Slayer and uh, Metallica and Sidebar. Not a lot of people talk about this anymore, but that was how Metallica, um, you know, Metallica didn't just send a tape to a record company, a record company said, hey, we're going to sign you for like three years they recorded demos which until that time was really just a tape you made for a record company right short for demonstration they 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 recorded demos and they just duped them and handed them out and everybody did the same thing we were doing with all our stuff and and that was really that was really how uh, bands of this genre were made was from their reputation and and uh these guys are all into Slayer Metallica stuff and and I'm I'm playing slaughter, I'm playing Mantis Death, Massacre. These guys are just like, you know, what is this shit? And I'm like, this is <laughs> this is what this is what this is. This is the best stuff in the world. This is stuff you can't get in the record store. This is our stuff. This is uh you know for the most part deaf ears but some of the guys picked up on it and and yeah you know hey anything i got on my list you know here i'll just tape you a bunch of shit. here you go i slide a guy five tapes and and that's really how I got started for me um again you know thanks to guy like guys like mark and jim You know, who are just like, not only, hey, anything I have that interests you, I'll make you a copy of it, but also like, I'll bet you've never heard this. You got to give this a listen to. This is really good stuff. These guys are really cool. And, uh, you know, there we were. I mean, we were writing to bands, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, Cam, you and I used to correspond. I mean, it just, it just. It was it was amazing how uh, for so many years how that really developed into. A, I mean, there there are guys who you know never knew who Finland were, who never knew where Finland was, yeah. and they're riding their bike to the library on a globe, going, "Where the fuck is Finland? <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, <laughs> what am I? You know, what's what's this? You know, where is Costa Rica?" um you know oh my god there's death metal in montana i mean there was it was just this this entire network of guys like us stuck in flea bag middle of the nowhere redneckville uh we were trying to not only find music but then we were also making music we could not find in the record store
0: yeah, yeah exactly hey wait so Uh, here we uh, wait wait steve let let me do this real quick because thankfully i hit record a while ago and the people that are going to hear this podcast right now are going who is this person so at least cam why don't you introduce (laughs) steve because uh, dude i thankfully i hit record like a while ago and we got all that because that was gold so cam introduce our guest brother okay all right You, you marked it right so oh, no, I'm no, no, sure no, no. we're spot. good. We're gonna leave we're gonna leave it just like this. People are gonna hear all that at the beginning, okay. and we're just gonna we're just gonna go like this because that was awesome.
2: Yeah. Okay, so um yeah, on uh this episode of Beyond the Masker Podcast, which is actually being recorded today on my birthday, which is also Halloween. Happy um, birthday yeah. cam. <laughs> so um <laughs> we are talking to no, no uh none other than Steve O of Empatego. It's like we literally wanted you on the show since we Discuss doing this podcast, <laughs> so we're getting the That's list down. I think all we have left is Paul Speckman and, and then, and then and we'll Jim be... Petterson. On uh, yeah, Jim, yeah, we can't. We've been trying to get Jim forever, man. Hey, yes, but, yes, Steve.
0: Steve, you need in to in write Pedersen too, and be like, "Hey, man, you need to talk to them because, dude, you know." And and like you were just talking about. He's one of those people that I think people would really enjoy listening to if we can ever get him to talk because he was so influential, just like Mark was, you know, but just like we heard you talk about, dude, those zines were everything. And the nice thing was, is you could communicate with people. You know, we just had, uh, we had Mark, you know, we had Mark Gruon from Morgoth and he was talking to me about uh, when they got the first Tormentor demo, you know, Mila was literally like only like 50 kilometers. From him, so and Miller's right. phone number was in the demo, so he literally picked <laughs> up the phone, Call called, him up. Yeah. yeah, talked to Miller, and then went and got to see a freaking tormentor practice, and they were friends ever since. But you would never see that today, you know what I mean?
1: No, no, yeah, it's way too hard, and and even though that everything's, and thank you for the introduction. By the way, Cam, yes, okay. <laughs> uh, it, it's the the accessibility is is good, but it's also kind of driven uh it, It's driven the communication to a level that's a lot less granular than it was. I mean, that the old, the 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 ages old, uh, you know, analogy. Oh, you know, waiting, you are running home from work or school, or whatever you were doing, to see what's in the mailbox, and opening those letters, and oh, holy shit, you know, ah, and, and just and then staying up all night long listening to these tapes and writing all these guys back, and just you know. Everything. It was, there was and a lot of writing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't even time. We were handwriting our stuff.
1: It was, it was, there was an investment involved, uh, that, that is that's, and that's what's missing. I think, I mean, not to say that, that there's not a lot of work and keeping in contact with people today. That's certainly, that's certainly still true, but the work was different. It was manual labor. It was, it was a lot of waiting. Our news was not real yes. time. Yes. I mean, there was the occasional phone call here and there, and and and, uh, but that was very expensive. I remember oh, yeah, I yeah. had dropped out of school, and I had a bunch of phone calls to Canada and and California, very long ones. Oregon, and I remember my dad going, "You know, your job is not going to pay for this shit." And I'm like, "Uh, ooh, you're right, man. I'm just, we're just talking, and and and." It, Uh, You had to make those conversations count, and you had to make that time count, and it was a very, uh, you know, in order to stay in the game, you had to stay with the game. I remember there was a couple times where I just, uh, something was going on, and I would let the mail slip, and Mark would be like, you can't let the mail slip. You got to stay with it. You have to tell yourself, I am going to stay on this, and he was real good at keeping me honest. Yeah, I do not, not just for myself, but there's other people on the line, you know, waiting to hear from me or waiting for this or, uh, and, and there's stuff I wanted to, to hear. There's stuff I wanted to read. Yeah. You got to stay with it. And all that news was all that news was not real time. I mean, by the time, uh, uh <laughs> you know, I, I, by the time, you know, Cam wasn't in death anymore, well, it was four or five months later before we all knew it, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then well, you know, there's an a zine I I I can't remember. It might have been War of Pain or something. All of a sudden, it's like a master. Oh, Cam's in a new band. What the hell happened? I mean, that was all very very delayed, but um, but it was still it, it was it, it was a lot of work, and that work was genuine, you know. And we were all it, it's once you once you got the bug. Uh, once you got the bug it was hard to listen to anything else you know you go into a record store it's like oh god there's that reagan youth seven inch i've been looking for that for years but everything new you're just kind of like pass 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 even even the stuff that you had been buying in the store when you got hooked on this it's like i I remember i remember when the new sacrifice album came out the second one and you just listen to it and it's like this is good but Man, I got twelve tapes in the mail today, and all this stuff is better. It, it, it's yeah, just, It, exactly. it, it, it kind of lost its teeth. But but uh, on the same time, Sacrifice was one of those bands we rooted for, you know, oh, they need a record and they got it. And and uh, Combat was signing everybody and and, and uh it, it was kind of a good news, bad news situation. It was like, oh, finally my my band th- th- there's a record, you know, Beyond Possession had a record out and it yep. was great. And then but you listen to the record and that little voice in the back of your head. It's like, and now everybody knows who beyond possession is. I'm not the only one. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. That's what it was all about. But uh, you know, every time, you know, but don't, but look, but, but don't let that get you down. Cause then the next day in the mail, there's seven more bands tapes in the mail that nobody knows of yet. And, and, and you got to accept the fact that, that, this is why we're doing this trying to spread the word these are bands that everybody needs to hear and these are bands that don't deserve to be in a record store right and not just for us it's for everybody so you, as as we matured you kind of got to tell that voice in the back of your head well beyond possession belongs to everybody now so shut up yeah. <laughs> you know it's it's we got to keep this going and and that's really that's really what it's all about um you know mtv that's a whole nother thing i uh, uh you know for for what it's worth it's like the first time i saw entombed on mtv i, I was that was not the same thing as oh, seeing their re- yeah. the record store i
0: was, it was i was not the same thing. no i was heartbroken <laughs> it was you yeah, know yeah. It, when you started seeing those bands cross over to a much bigger I, mean, it, it was it was kind of like you were losing a piece of something You know what I mean? And it was, it it just felt a little bit different. You know what I mean? They were still the same band, but it it just didn't quite feel that same way anymore.
1: Yeah, it did. But but again, it was, it's, it's always, it's always a good for them. I mean, good for Entombed. I mean, Nikki, we knew Nikki. I mean, you know, Mark, uh, Mark was the guy who came up with the name for their premature autopsy demo. Oh, he and you know Nikki wrote him a letter. Here's our second demo, you know, advance of it. We don't know what to call it. And Mark wrote back, "Why don't you call it premature autopsy?" And they did. And uh, it, it's that. I mean, that's how it worked, right? Everyone's just kind of yeah. like throwing shit off the wall with each other, and, and it was it was good for them because uh, it, you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people that deserve that kind of respect, uh, and they certainly earned it. And, uh, you know, m- much more than a band who just uh, played in a garage, didn't know anybody, didn't network, and knew a guy who knew a guy who had a cousin whose brother was the lawyer of this record oh. company and got him a tape and they just got a deal with like that. Those guys didn't earn it, you know what I mean? yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> Yeah, that was never earned, right? That yeah. was not, yeah. you know, they they for good bad or otherwise, the bands that 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 broke the MTV barrier, uh back when MTV was playing videos, kids. Uh, those yeah. bands had actually had actually earned that status whether it was good, bad or otherwise it, and that's and the good news for us is there were still more bands that nobody knew about and we were just kind of you know pushing it everywhere and 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 it was just a it was a, a cycle that just going back to the accessibility um this is this technology is something that we would have drove us crazy uh back when we were writing letters by hand and gluing oh, yeah. stamps and dubbing tapes we would have never left the house and that would have been bad
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very yeah. much so. You
1: never would have left the house. I would uh, and I'd I don't mo-
2: be. I'd be three hundred pounds more than I am yeah, now. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Like the like the World of Warcraft guys. us just sitting there yep. clicking. <laughs> motionless big stock pile of steaming feces bags of chips empty laying all around mom can i have another fruit pie but uh, but it's and and it's not that it's watered down it's just it the the, the 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 volume of material has grown exponentially i will say this though it's always cool to have some guy or a gal or someone on Instagram randomly pings me and, and says, Hey, I just recorded a demo on my cell phone. How does this sound? And I'll listen to it and I just get a big old smile on my face. I'm like, You know what? It sounds pretty good. You should release it just like that because yeah. that's what we used to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what we used to do. Yeah.
1: You know, I think when, uh, you know, Cam was in death, I think it can count on his left foot, how many times they were in a studio. It just, (laughs) guys, you got to do what you got to do with what you got. And that's how it works. And the fact that with all this technology, all the pro tools and everything, people are still recording demos with a cell phone microphone. That is the best thing ever because that's, that's, that's where the meat hits the bone folks is, is, is whatever you can do, do it and that's wonderful
2: i've been fighting this for years and i've I, you know of course you know me by myself with this right. opinion going yeah. against other other guys that are like oh no no we're musicians we've got to sound good um i've i've, yeah. I've still would love to go and record on a boom box and put out mm. a, you know i put i would put it i would put an album out but they're like no we can't do that it'll sound horrible i'm like
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely no i was i did a project with a couple good friends of mine in texas a few years ago called intolerable noise kestra and it's it's a funny story it's, it's it's uh francisco from hra and thy feeble savior and it's matt from uh Oath of cruelty and morbo cidad and bands like that and they had just recorded like really like literally seven or eight songs of really fast noisy short grindcore songs and and i thought and and they were looking for vocals and i he sent me that they were looking for a vocalist or, you know, check this out. Let me know what you think. And I had some vocals I had done for something else. And I literally cut the vocals up and put them in, you know, with audacity, put them on his tape. I said, what do you think this sounds like? And he's like, that's perfect. And I did do actual vocal tracks for him, but I I mixed everything in mono.
2: Oh, yeah, it's great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mixed everything in mono and audacity has a couple real interesting filters and i know it it's not called this but there's a there's a filter called the shit filter and basically it, it it sounds like you're taking the speaker and putting it in a shoe and recording it from there so i use i put that on everything and it still sounds too clean to me but it's definitely not clean at all and and yeah it's if it sounds like shit that 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 as long as the the as long as the stuff is good then it doesn't matter if it sounds bad i mean how many times have we stumbled across what is this oh this is great it's horribly recorded fast speed metal it's like you hear the words horribly recorded and right away you get a boner you're like oh oh i gotta hear that yep you know, exactly you know i mean and that you know that's where metallica sold them sh- sh- cut themselves short it's like why do the drums need to sound like that you know when they were just you know uh d- five or six multi-directional drums over your drum kit it was good enough for the rest of us why do we yep. have to triggers you know why are triggers a thing i don't know yeah. well it sounds more precise i'm like yeah you know death metal has never been precise no no exactly. oh, but
0: <laughs> and, and, and you know, you know what's funny is we just had uh, Morton, the drummer for As in Hell, uh, which is Mark Grew and Mike Polson's uh, new band, and he yeah. made he made he made a point. To when they went into the studio to record, he said he, they didn't want any tri- triggers. He wanted to do it old school, the way it was meant to be. And he said, look, drums are only going to go so fast as a double bass without triggers. So this is how fast the drums are going to yep. go without triggers. That's right. And it's cool that there are actually still drummers out there that are willing to say, you know what, fuck these triggers and stuff. Because it, it, it has a completely different sound and it also has a different speed because humans don't yes. play that fast.
1: That's right, yeah. and, and if they can play that fast without a trigger, more power to them. All exactly, no to not use a trigger to hide the talent, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 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 crazy. But um, I love it all. But yeah, there's so much good stuff right now, and and it's hard to keep track of it. But oh yeah, it is. Um, but I really, I, I really, and as for me, man, I I mean. Yeah, i don't want to throw that old guy shit out there i i stopped being in bands like actual bands for a reason and it's just a you know i i chose career family life kids and all that stuff and i'm still glad i did it but oh, yeah. i have i have so much respect for the people that i used to know that are my age that are still doing it and and you know can like i mentioned you before i i'm glad it's you, you don't know how good it feels for me to, to 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 see your your personal triumphs over the past several years in you know just trying to get one thing done thank you know time. trying okay. one thing done and it's like i you know you know it, it's cam he's always been a guy like I, i'm not trying to get rich i'm not trying to 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 be the death metal megastar i just want one thing back yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know you. that was that was that was that was for no reason. It, it, it was just it was mind boggling, and I and I can't imagine I, I can't imagine what you went through, but uh, to, to to see you to make it through that and just keep it going is so awesome. Um, you know, I, I know it, it, it it's never easy. And, and it just, you know, you get one thing done and then another thing falls apart, but that's, but again, it's just, just get that one thing accomplished and still doing it. And here you were in Europe there a few months ago, screaming on stage, you know, the Neil claw and everything. It was awesome to see it. It was so cool. You know, I I love it. Uh, I love it.
2: I appreciate it. Uh, Pete's even asked me, how do you still go? (laughs) How do you continue to do it? And it's just like, well, first off, I'm not, you know, you had mentioned, I'm glad you had mentioned it. i and i i was this goes back to the what earlier you were talking about just being on labels for me personally i think you guys will understand this it it almost felt like when we got signed to eric even when we got signed to eric it felt to me it felt dirty yeah i was like i was like i don't want to be this this yeah there's a amount of risk
1: involved you know there's a amount of risk involved and that was during the the eric the train it was like literally everyone A lot of people don't understand it That was not even a year removed from when earache was a different kind of label altogether yes um you know there's combat kind of got freaked out and uh signed a lot of bands and wanted to sign a lot more and it destroyed them as a record label earache you know had another approach and it changed them and the way they do their business. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, um, it, it was, it was, it was, I, I got to tell you, it was amazing to have that masker LP in my hands and see that picture on the back and hear that <laughs> stuff. And, uh, of course for the second or third time, cause you know, Jim was always sending us tapes. Don't spread this. Here's the rough. <laughs> <thing. Don't laughs> spread this. You know? And, uh. Uh, it, it, but yeah you're right it's like it's like this is great this is what i've always wanted everyone's like what did you ever want out of a band i said i just wanted to release a record yeah you know the first time you went into the record store and picked up a dead kennedy's record like i said you're like i can do this yeah, yeah. these guys did this i can do this and you get that record in your hands and you're like okay this is what i wanted to do and sometimes the other stuff that comes along with it you're like this is not what i signed up for
2: yeah exactly exactly you
1: know i just want to put out a record and all this stuff you know everyone's tapes will erode but someone will have a copy of this record and this is you know this is something that that i helped accomplish uh and uh yeah yeah that was it was a weird time for earache and and it's the the, the risk is well you know you got to do what you got to do cam and it's it, and it was it, you know you, you you did the right thing uh you did the right thing for sure you, you, i'm sure you don't ever question yourself on that but yeah there was not a yeah it's it's the what, what comes next is is uh labels are weird and yeah, they yeah yeah
2: well you got i got you know you got, got pulled into the, the into the label world and you know we were kids you know i mean yeah, uh, even yeah. though i was tw- i was 20 by that time 21 i'm still a kid you know and yeah and like i've talked to i've talked to pete about it we were poor kids too so you get this you know pete gets this. a lot of people don't get it but we're coming from like literally you know shit you know i'm i'm you know pacific islander I'm, I'm coming from an, an right. irish so i'm not coming from i'm not yeah. coming from mega riches you know i mean exactly. my grandmother lived pretty much on a in a dirt you know dirt farm sort of situation sure. so yeah. Yeah. we go from we go from this you know you know it's, it's almost like going from the trailer park to the palace it was yeah. it was weird it was a weird transition for me and i always felt like maybe it was okay for the other guys you know i don't know they they, they had a different you know uh standard upbringing and stuff but for me it was almost like this doesn't feel natural it, and, yeah. it, and it almost began to feel like very unnatural so i was very i was a very i've always been a fish out of water but i was very put to that point where i've been i don't feel comfortable with this which is probably you know the reasons why things transpired and you sure. know, the man split up and everything um for other obvious reasons too that but that was the main thing where i was coming from is like i'm not comfortable with this anymore here i was a punk kid as well And all of a sudden, I'm getting thrown into this rock and roll world, which is why still to this day, I I always say that stigma. I don't like rock stars. And I don't. I don't like that whole persona of being that way. Um, I try to be very approachable. I try to be like the guy that's, I'm still out there. I'm not hiding in the, in the bus, no, or no. hiding backstage. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. No. no. And a lot of
1: them are, but, uh, but you know, there, there was a lot of good things out of that though. Like I say, it was, uh, I mean, it, you hadn't signed a year ache and hadn't done the record and you wouldn't have gone on tour with grave and wouldn't have met me face. Oh face- yeah. First true. time in Chicago. <laughs> that's right. And there and we I were. I still remember right? that
2: show. I yeah, still remember huh? that show.
1: Yeah, I remember yeah. there we were sitting there on the steps of the of Medusas yeah. with the guys from Grave. You, me, Mark, and a bunch of other guys just hanging out, shooting the shit like, yep. like we'd known each other for years.
2: And I was more excited to do that than go play. I there you go. I was like, As I, was always, I don't want to go up on stage.
1: Always the best part of uh, yep. uh, playing shows or... You know, not that I've ever been on tour, but that is all. That is true. That is the best thing about it, is you just get to hang out. I mean, and, and you're right. There's some guys that just, like, you know, every time Carcass rolls into town, there's Bill. He's out there hanging out, talking to everybody. Where's Jeff? He's nowhere. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Jeff's, oh, another oh, thing, too. I remember, I remember from, specifically from that show, Trouble. We got to hang yeah. out with Trouble, and we went to eat pizza with Trouble. That's right. Like, you guys. They were like, you guys ever have Chicago pizza? And we're like, no. And they're like, oh, yeah. like, come on. And Trouble it took us to have Chicago pizza. So. That's
1: right. And fucking, uh, yeah. And, um, you know, and Barry Stern, man, RIP. That guy was great. He was everywhere. He was there f- from Trouble. He was the drummer at the time. Yep. And, you know, Barry was another one of those guys, like, when, going back to the network discussions. Like, every time we went to a show in Chicago, Brad from Morgue was there. Troy from Syndrome was there. Barry Stern was hanging around. It's like the same guys on all these bands. I mean... Uh, Barry Stern uh, at an old uh, early Chicago show. It's like, hey, have you ever heard of trope? And I'm like, you know what? I have. It's like, oh, here's a tape.
2: Yeah,
1: my album's Auto Combat, but here's a copy of it on tape in case you want to hear it. And then if you like it, go buy the record. I mean, yep. you know, there was all those guys there, and and it, it, you know, it was it was always great. It was the first time I I, I met you face to face. It was classic. Um, those are the good things about it, though. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, you know, better than the cover. Yeah, that's okay. The cover was all right.
2: Yes, yeah. I've got. I've gotten used to it now. <laughs> I've yeah. gotten, I've, got, I've grown. I've grown. I've grown accustomed to it now. It's taken me. It's taken me thirty years, but. I've,
1: uh, I've now, so yeah. Ed, Ed Ed's great artist. I you know like did he see from beyond? I don't know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But i liked it but i like I, I know the cover has always been kind of we we always make jokes about the purple right but yeah, uh yeah. It, but it was uh yeah but it, it it was a great album it definitely was it was uh uh it, it was it's records like that and they came out like i say it was just like it was a per it was a personal victory for all of us it's like yes, all right yes. here you go massacre they got their due, you know, and and then earache will do whatever they want with you after that.
2: <laughs> oh, <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I'm still dealing with that today. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm good with them. I'm, I'm, and, yeah. you know, it's, it's weird. I mean, of course, I'm Digby's, Digby's just the, the figurehead. He, he's not even part of anything anymore. But sure, I still yeah. I, I talk to the, the, the people that are like in ahead of things now. I've gotten a lot of, you know, information in the last couple of years, which I've told Pete about and everything, which, oh, wow, now that makes more sense now. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not going to bring up any dirt, but I mean, they, I, I got a better understanding of things. They got a better understanding of things as well. And, uh, you know, we, we just, we just was like, okay, this is cool. This is cool. They still owe me money. (laughs) So I haven't haven't gotten
0: yet, but uh, you you know, that's the one thing with the earache stuff is, I mean, I think now when we look back at it and I mean, for me and cam talking dude, earache is like any business in the end, they were there to make money and making money. You, you are generally ruthless and there's a reason rich people generally stay rich you know what I mean, and, and it's, labels
1: like, stay in business. Exactly. I mean, yeah. unfortunately, it's like what 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 made Earache survived is 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 cutting people up, and and that is that is the business, and and um, it's it's and then why you know a lot of people. All oh, you guys worked with Wild Rags, and and I love working with Wild Rags. It was great. We had a great relationship with Rich, uh, who's like a father and uncle to me in many ways, and and fortunately, I got to tell his daughter this to her face when I, I met her some years ago. Uh, Rich Rich knew what he had going with us and what he didn't have going with us, and we knew the same thing about him. So, um, when we signed a contract with Wild Rags, doing the math, and you know, I told Mark, I said, you know, we're never going to see a, a dime out of this, and Mark's like, yeah, that's probably true. And Rich was always cool about it. It's like, and, and Rich kind of even told us, you know, this is it's really hard to get 10 cents out of a dollar after this, this and that. I mean, we paid for the recording and he paid for everything else. So again, from a business standpoint, it's like all risk is on Richard's side. Yes. Uh, we, we, we paid $350. Uh, we had to sell a bunch of stuff to pay for it, but we paid that money out of our pocket so that Rich would pay. I'm sure he paid more than 350 bucks for that pressing, you know, pressing all that stuff on the printing, everything like that. But then, you know, you talk talking the phone to Rich and it's like, Rich, Rich was like, I have a record store. What do you want? And instead of getting paid money, he gave us copies of our stuff so we could sell them at shows and keep the money ourselves, which is very cool. Yep. And anything we wanted from his store, it's like, oh, I got this new Miasma album. You guys ever heard that? No, well, let me send you a he would, He would send us stuff from his store for nothing. Um, You know, and that was kind of, you know, as far as the label, there were other labels that were very, very, very hotly interested in us after the first album came out, right? They were like, oh, we want to do the next Impatigo record. We want Impatigo with us, and I don't want to Name any of those labels. It wasn't a shitload, but there were a couple. And we just talked about how good we had it with Rich, you know, and, and, uh, you know, here's, here's our negotiation. For the second album, we don't want a contract. Okay. And we want you to pay for the recording. Okay. All right. Are we good? Yeah. Go ahead and fire it up. And that's how it worked. Yeah. Um, you know, that's how it worked. And, and, and it was, it was perfect for us, uh, uh, again, we never expected to see any money. He never told us we'd see any money. And so in that respect, we were never disappointed. But uh, yeah, combat, you you all know the stories about combat. Combat yep. never paid anybody. Eric Eric never paid anybody. And
2: uh, yeah, like I said. I actually it, got paid from them a little bit. <laughs> I will tell that's you. Good. I'll, I'll go on the record and say that they actually did pay me a little bit. <laughs> Finally.
1: yeah, And that's good. And there are some labels we had worked with later that, promised us money and we kind of laughed and then we got money and we were a little bit of money we were kind of surprised they're like oh good for them you know uh, you know here's 80 bucks fantastic i never expected it so that's a good thing so it's uh but it is yeah eric was on the cutting edge of making several huge business decisions one i'm sure dig was 100 aware of the direction they were going but you know if you want to be the the, the 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 premier extreme music label uh the, what i can't remember his tagline at the time but that's what you got to do you got to say to guys like cam lee you got to say hey man let's go and uh, yeah. here we go <laughs> you taking the yeah. red pill or the blue pill <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. You <know>? yeah. shit
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i bet i bet i know what you're thinking right now <laughs> i would taking the blue pill <laughs> yeah
2: uh anyway I, I mean that's that, that's literally what it was it was like yeah. you know you know we were uh, you know i hate to say it but a lot of us were also naive um yeah. uh, you know and uh you know one thing I, I pete and i do when we talk we do this show we hope younger audience people that are there yeah. I don't know if there are there that they do tune into the show and they learn some stuff right. um you know and uh you know, I'm not I don't badmouth things, you know. I, I don't no. badmouth like there's probably tons of people that are gonna badmouth certain labels. I'm not gonna badmouth them because Pete, and, right. Pete has made it clear their business and they did things that's right that any yeah. business would do. So I don't badmouth any labels, but I I I do see his experience. I've learned things and mm, oh, I won't step in that pile of poo again. <laughs> you right. know, which like I you know, barefooted in a fresh dog pile of poo was was not fairly you know, felt good and Oh, let's. How do I avoid that again? So let me. So it's made me guarded on some things, and I'll, I'll admit there was times that I was really guarded, and I was thinking, "Oh, everybody's a thief," you know. Yeah, there was right, right. I went through that, and I'm like, ah, you know, I've gotten over that now. But
1: yeah, because um, they are, and 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 <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> they can tell you they're they're a thief, and you still accept their terms, and then you're. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, yeah. This is going to happen. I mean you know does that make me smart or dumb yeah, exactly. well i mean you know it's from dune you know the only way to uh to meet a trap is to walk into it i mean it's you know you can't you you can't um you can't uh you can't get upset about something that hasn't happened yet and even if you know it's going to happen you just kind of you know you have to write it and you did and and i mean we're all happy for it again the Eric, the Eric thing, those albums are great. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're still standing stronger than ever. I love the, you know, I love the, I love the stuff, the stuff you're, you're putting out new stuff. That's awesome. It's like, man, this is magic. This is great. Thank you. Uh, It's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And, you know, as adults, we come there and say, I always try to tell my kids, you know, it's not about winning. It's just about living a fight another day
2: yep yep so i i i always go back to this you know us 2 all being big horror movie buffs and stuff and i always take i i look at and, you know i know this is weird but i look at i take directors that i respect and i look at their careers and i see some of the stuff they've done like john carpenter is one of my favorites so i'll always look to john carpenter and I'll i I'll see, okay, he's done some great stuff that's staple that sticks with of course, you know, Halloween and stuff like that. But yeah. then he's done some he's done some stinkers, you know. Yep. You know Everyone's Ghost got their hits
1: and misses, right? Yeah, and no know, one's so,
2: Yeah. And and I but I I, I take his, his overall career and I look at it, you know, i I think like some of the the stinkers he's done, like Ghost of Mars and Body Bags, even though I, yeah. I've now grown to appreciate body bags now.
0: Yeah, um, but go some Ghost, stinkers Ghost of Mars is nice. bad.
2: yeah Yeah, it is but you know and and uh what i'm trying to say is like uh, everybody has ups and downs and i look i try to look at like i look at john carpenter sort of like as as inspiration um where he's at now what he's doing now compare and all the stuff he's gone through and and uh i i not try to like compare myself to him but i look at it as like that's sort of like a way to oh well i've i've had ups and downs i've dealt with certain certain things certain people um you know i've had to like like you said sometimes you just got to sacrifice to put things out i've dealt with labels that uh other labels that i i never never got paid Labonar stuff all on pulverized i'm not ripping on pulverized you know those guys are great they're from malaysia i think the company uh i've never seen anything from that stuff but it was like a thing like okay i could either complain and wait or try to get on a bigger label with that or just get a get it out yeah just get and, it out and, and yep, enjoy that's it and right. Have it out there
1: yeah and, and, cool. and that's kind of the bottom line you know it's like you know whether it's a small label or a big label it's like it's just about getting it out yeah um you know if you don't then what happens exactly. there, there are so many bands um one band from chicago i love dearly i won't name them but man they just they just held out All they did was hold out. Uh, You know, we're waiting for the right deal. We're waiting for the right deal. You know, taking the wrong deal sometimes is better than waiting for the right deal. And you brought up directors. And I think filmmakers get this so much harder than certainly any of us in the underground who have, you know, uh, a couple hundred dollars invested in something. These guys put... These guys put their houses up, mortgage, they, they, they sell yeah. everything, their marriages are destroyed, their family, everything's destroyed just to get a movie out. And when they um, when they do what they got to do just to get it out, it's, it's a lot harder on them than it is on anybody else. I, I gave up being a film, I always wanted to be a filmmaker, you know, I thought that yeah, would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, my opinion is, is there's, there's one, of there's only two kinds of, there's three kinds of filmmakers. There's guys like Herschel Gordon Lewis who really don't give a shit about anything. I'll, exactly. I'll, you know, I'll record my demo on a cell phone. Uh, and I don't care. I'll do it all that way. And there's ones that, well, you know, for lack of a better again, they, they know somebody who's got a cousin whose brother's wife is a lawyer for a guy who works with and they get their film made and they don't feel that ever. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. And it's a lot harder, I think it's a lot harder financially and um theologically on filmmakers than it is on any of us musicians. Otherwise there'd be four hundred films coming out a month, right? <laughs> and there's yeah. not. And there's yeah. not. I mean, it's. Uh, but well, they've got. Go.
2: They've got. I think they have to jump through a lot more loopholes than than we do. I mean, they have yeah. got producers. They've got to deal with, and then investors that they've got to, you know, come to a certain. I would love to see. You know, that I I do love a lot of independent filmmakers. Um, and really, and people, what people, some people call crappy filmmakers. Like I still love yeah. Bruno Maddy films. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah. <laughs> I love
1: it's, his films. It's it is good, clean fun. Again, it's yeah. it's it's a demo <laughs> recorded on a boombox. It's like yeah, you know exactly. what. You know what all the all the stuff that that we like shines through the medium that's yeah. really I mean you know you know Picasso Picasso became legendary on the painting we didn't see Yeah right <laughs> I mean that's that's really you know yeah that's really how it works in in movies are so it's worse for movies now than it ever was i think but you know it kind of and and funny it, it's take is it takes someone uh like taylor swift who's going to make over a billion dollars on her tour this year to reveal one of the dirtiest secrets about oh yeah yeah releasing yeah. films as she put her tour film out in she put it together in a month and released it without the studios so well, she
2: also did. She well, she's also came up. She she was the one that kind of came out and said how, kind of you know in a way, said hey, this is what labels do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. You know, I mean, you they, should, they you should, should own her. your own. Yeah. You know, you yep. own your masters. Don't let labels.
1: Yeah, that's them. right. And there's not a lot of labels to do that. But the movie thing. Uh, you know, Hollywood's got everyone convinced that in order to release your movie, you need a studio to work as you're in between. And she bypassed the studios, and went straight to the distributors, which, which cam, if you remember, that's the way it was in the sixties and seventies. Yep. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh,
1: and then that, and that's why we got to sneak in and never paid to go into the drive-in. We got to sneak <laughs> into the drive-in yeah. and exactly. watch double features of the most gruesome shit you ever seen in your life made on a shoestring budget, there was no Hollywood studio involved in that. Those guys went straight to the distributors, and that's how the film industry used to be. And in order for filmmakers to recover from the sad event that is their lives and what's happened to it, trying to suck up to these guys, they need to start doing the same thing. Yeah you know i can go to the distributor i don't need a hollywood studio working on my behalf even if it is just some guy with a telephone and a laptop sitting in an empty warehouse saying he's a studio i can do this without them we need to get back to that because that's what made the 60s and 70s so great in cinema our kind of cinema is that these guys had no there there was no no hollywood studios involved in any of that they just went straight to the source you can put your shit in theaters. You'll never make a dime. I don't care. Yeah. Exactly. Get it out there. And you know, that's, that's the way it was. And that's the way it needs to be again. So. Hey,
0: Steve. So look, I would be negligent if I didn't ask, since you guys were just talking about films, you uh, look in is probably the first band I ever heard that used a lot of film stuff. What? <laughs> yeah, well yeah even even yeah
2: I just want to put that even uh, Mortician basically says you, for you, uh in the reason they do it. Yeah, I mean
0: so it, <laughs> it, 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 yeah. It, I mean you you guys are basically I, I I don't know if you were the first but you were definitely the ones that broke the mold and everybody recognizes as being the first. So how wh- wh- what kind of how did you even come up with that? Because I mean, I back then, especially sampling at that time in the hip hop world, when people remember what rap used to be, yeah. it was a big, yeah. it was a big thing then. I mean, people were there were lawsuits, all kinds of crazy stuff. So by you guys doing that, even as being an underground band, you opened yourself up to a lot of possible freaking problems.
1: Right, right. Well, and we were, of course, we were never thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> so. We were never thinking about that, and and funny, after all that, the only problems we've had is with a a cover song we did on our live demo. That guy's still trying to sue us, and uh, none of the samples have ever been a problem. Um, So it's hard for me to tell you directly what the source was, And, and... and to be fair to Mortician, i don't know if that we were first i think we us and mortician kind of did it at the same time maybe we went over the top with it as we progressed because we were both doing it you know uh, but um the punk rock records had a lot of samples in it i yeah, mean yeah. there was yes. always uh and one of them my mo the one of my the ones i keep thinking of the most when i'm asked this question is discharge the yes, um yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah granted they were mostly from uh news conferences and stuff but there's some punk bands that use the the line from the night of the living dead in, in their and i can't think of the one in particular that's in my mind it, it's uh, i'm a lot older now and the gray matter there but there was a band that used that <laughs> you think these are your friends and your family they are oh, not yes. they yeah. must be shot on sight there there's literally 3 or 4 bands that use that in the 80s but discharge from hear nothing see nothing say nothing uh the the this you know it's been likened to the sound of an enormous door slamming in the depths of hell that was for me that was i thought that is bad as hell how they took that clip and went right into the and the song starts that's totally um that is totally badass and um there were a couple other bands like jim jones and the kool-aid kids oh yeah yes Uh, yes yes. trust me they used a lot of samples on that record and that record was uh that record was really an eye-opener for me in on many levels uh i credit Mark for getting impetigo into the heavier sound that we became known for simply because he brought me uh uh, he talked to me about the napalm death and the carcass and said, Don't you think this really is, is talking to you? And I'm like, Yeah, he's right. Uh, it, it is. I, I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned it. Mark, Mark says, I'm the wind beneath his wings. He was mine. I, I'd have an, every idea I had, I'd throw against him. No, no, no. Yeah, let's do that. And the ones that I threw against him and he said no and I said, Fuck it, we're doing it anyway, those are the ones that failed. So you get to trust after <laughs> a while. Um, but the Jim Jones album was oh, yes. yep. the one of the first, uh, that they used, uh, had uh, some, you know, again, the same thing, the manufactured Christ intro, the fear of God is dying out in the hearts of men, and it goes right into the song. And I'm like, that is fantastic. That's, that's bad as hell. So when we were doing the demo, um, I, I, we had some tapes of stuff, and and we were kind of in a hurry to put it out for whatever reason. I, well, we were excited. We recorded yeah. a demo tape in a studio. This is great. Uh, and Mark's like, oh, I threw some movie clips in uh, at the beginning. And I'm like, that's great. And then he did that. I heard it. I thought, yeah, this is really cool. And then moving forward kind of we want to split them up a little bit make it sound more like the jim jones records so uh i think those are kind of the things and i and i'd always been a fan of uh i mentioned talking heads earlier there was an album we wanted to do clips inside the song at some point in time not just in the beginning or at the end of it but inside the song and there's an album that uh, i grew up uh, one of my favorite records still is My Life in the Bush of Ghosts oh, yes. by David Br- Brian Eno. And yep. Brian Eno is but those of us who've ever sat in our room trying to manipulate a tape make it sound a certain way it's like we have brian eno to think to thank for that because he's like a, you know i'm not just recording a synthesizer i'm gonna take the synthesizer recording a cassette tape slow the cassette tape down you know okay. and this kind of stuff to it but they that there was no actual vocalist used on that album they all used audio sources from other mediums so like you know one song was a lebanese mountain singer taken from an old folkways lp of lebanese mountain singers you know and they would put it in it was kind of like a zapra's theory of Xenocrony. it's like i could take a solo from a a show in 72 and use it in a song i'm doing right now and no one will know the difference it's a completely different source and it's anachronist but by putting it in with something it doesn't belong with in the way i see fit it makes it xenocrinous was the term he used and that whole album my life of bush of ghosts is consisted of there's there's an exorcism taken from yep. some you know that they got sued <laughs> your oh. question before they yeah, got they sued did. by uh, the estate of uh, an evangelist we're using her to and it was perfect. If you hear the original Jezebel spirit is the name of the song with Catherine Kuhlman in there You're like, oh, this would have been fire. Our brains would have melted upon hearing this for the first time But she sued she said I don't want that used for that. So they used a tape of an exorcism instead supposedly and, uh, and It worked just as well But I would always want to use a sample inside the song so that's kind of like when there's other songs like I think we used a wizard of gore we yep. just sample inside the song and uh, Entombed had done the same thing I think with Clandestine where they did the uh, you know, there is no other god Satan killed him Satan! That was yeah. kind of where that came from
0: so. And dude, that, that's, that's awesome because you know, the thing is is people don't realize, younger people today don't realize that you know, like the Brian Eno's um, the, yeah. the John Cage you know, the freaking Laurie Anderson's uh Steve oh, Roach yeah. oh. they were punk rock before yeah. I mean, it, it, before there was punk rock they they were creating art that was just absolutely freaking just mind-blowing and people didn't even know what to do with it at that point i think you know it wasn't until many years later that people came to really you know understand what john cage was doing and those kind of people right you know what i mean because it was it was deep and i mean it makes sense to hear you say that because you know i never really put two and two together but you know i mean that's that that's totally right man
1: Right, and, and part of the disconnect there for him is kind of like I was talking about folk music before. It's like with all pretty much all those people you mentioned were performance artists. Yes. So you could buy, and I had, you know, I bought the Laurie Anderson album. I, I was an early adopter with Laurie Anderson, but you didn't really get it a hundred percent unless you actually saw them. Right. Because yes. you know, one of. One of Laurie Anderson's uh, most famous performance art drolls was Stephen Weed, right? Right. The boyfriend of Patty Hearst. And she did a little story. And she used to do it. And then later she did it. And she had to describe the motion. Because if you didn't see it, you didn't get the joke. You didn't get what it was about. Where they were questioning Stephen Weed. And they had an FBI guy on his left and his right. And they were asking him questions alternately. So no matter what his answer was, his head was going side to side. No matter what his answer was, he was always saying, nope uh-uh nope, 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 because his head was going back and forth like he was saying no, so in the video it looked like Stephen Weed was denying everything when actually he was he was you know he was saying something different, and John Cage, I mean even Brian Eno, I mean stuff on record, but you know i, I to, to see Roxy music live and to hear what he did live would have been really something else and and what we did with the samples and with stuff like that in the underground is he's you, you didn't have to, you didn't have to, it was great to go to a show, but you could experience the whole thing having never gone to a show um, just by engaging in it and taking some of that stuff and moving it around. Right. Uh, it, you know, we kind of, we kind of localized the revolution, if you will.
0: Sure.
2: Well, let me, let me say, let me say this. I, I have to say this before, before we go on, because this is really, I think you can't overlook this because of Impetigo. There are more people out there who have never seen Deadbeat by Dawn, right? That know that no Bonecrusher's <laughs> fucking speech because they're a record. They've never Absolutely. seen the movie. Yeah, it was literally they can literally. Yeah. I, I mean, they can say, "I hate people, man. I don't care. I don't I give, don't a, give shit. a shit. I don't, I don't give, give a shit, a about, shit nothing. about nothing." <laughs> yeah. They know that. All my life, my people wife knows that. She's me. never don't seen Deadbeat by, by Dawn. Yeah. yeah. My wife and it knows was,
1: that by heart. And, she's and that was uh, that's great. And, and and that's kind of you know, the samples. Again, part of our thing was we were trying to turn people on to movies that uh that, that they'd never heard of before. Uh stuff that we were, were getting with tape trading and stuff like that that on you know, cannibal holocaust. Yeah. was <laughs> it was it was a big deal. I mean, you know I look watched the copy I had years ago now I, I will not be able to see anything because our tvs are better and that makes the video look worse but <laughs> yeah exactly deadbeat at dawn was such an iconoclastic it was it, i said there were two great american filmmakers you know two great completely original unique set in part filmmakers herschel gordon lewis and jim van Beber. he he did something with that medium it's like we all it, it, it was a generational thing too for sure oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't think I think that's just our where we are right now. That was us. Anyone who grew up watching Kung Fu movies on Saturday mornings, yeah. and in going in their backyard with their friends and practicing Kung Fu moves, uh you know, watching exploitation films with you know car chases, yeah. fight scenes, trying to recreate those fight scenes. It's like I think the first time I saw that movie, the thing that stuck out to me was this is a guy who grew up the same way I did. We watch all these movies every weekend. And then we'd go in the backyard and, and, you know, and try and recreate this stuff. And he was really good at it. And he was good at taking, uh, you know, what we liked about the drive-in and the grindhouse theater and stuff like that. And making a unique musical state or visual statement out of it. It was like, this is kind of movies we grew up, but it's not. It's a little different. And um, that was, unfortunately for him, you know, he had that deal with, I think it was called Arrow and that deadbeat at dawn we'd read about it and it came out on video very limited distribution and something happened i, I think the, the the i think the um, the stu- the the studio fleeced them, actually is what happened and they, they put out like five thousand of them and we happened to rent it and dub it <laughs> right yeah. when it came out and then it was gone and you couldn't find it anywhere.
2: Oh yeah, so years you couldn't find that film.
1: Everyone's like, woo, and everyone's like, What I can't I don't know where this movie is. Well, I have it, you know. And people <laughs> yep. yeah, can people who come over to my house, you kind of again, you like you mentioned, Miller had his or Pete did Miller had his number on the demo. We had our address on our stuff. Yeah, so I sit do, at yeah. home, knock, knock, knock. Here's this carload of guys from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. We drove all the way over here to say hi to you. They didn't call. They didn't know my number. Oh, come on in. Uh, You guys want to order a pizza? Yeah. We'd order a pizza. Um, We'd go upstairs, and I always showed them two things. I showed them the sheet-eating video, which is legendary, (laughs) and I showed them deadbeat at dawn. We'd watch those (laughs) two things.
2: Sit I mean, around. People, talk about the shit-eating video on the one on the upcoming show. It, yeah,
1: uh, I think there was different had different names. I think my tape was called "Seeing Is Believing," and yeah. it was just uh, <laughs> that was a, that was a game changer. Oh yeah, Yeah, you know, and there were the guys uh, like the guys from Florida. The, these guys from Florida came up. They had a cousin who lived an hour away from me, and these two guys from Florida uh you might remember a band called demagoth they later became vomit spawn well these guys yeah Yeah. tony and they came up and they just showed up on my doorstep out of nowhere all right well let's order a pizza and watch these two movies and deadbeat at dawn is is i and i've heard that people told me that before but like deadbeat at dawn was one of those movies that um we were doing the samples we were we're much more What's the word? I'm looking for much more discerning with the samples for the second album. you know, I had Piles of tapes and stuff I had taken and some of the samples related to the movie And some of them didn't which was fine But I picked the bone crusher dialogue for street cleaner because even though Street cleaner was based on the movie necromantic It was all in German I, oh, no, I had a Japanese language one that was for personal reasons and I could have just used a sample from it in German, but, and I had some samples picked that I was going to use, but the thing about the, the bone crusher dialogue that tied in with street cleaner for me, and I don't want to ruin it for anybody because they may have their own feelings, but street cleaner is like about a guy who hates society so much. Um, you know, he has withdrawn himself and has directed his aggression towards, you know, his, his job, which he hates, cleaning up highway accidents and bringing body parts home and fucking them. I mean, obviously, he's not a happy person, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's no indication of this. Uh, quite the opposite is true. He's, he hates society so much. He hates people. I fucking hate people. All my yep. life, people fuck with me. And kind of in a weird sense, this is the guy from Necromantic in, well, not in Europe, obviously. But if he were in the U.S., I mean Bone Crusher. Yeah, I could totally yeah. see Bone Crusher working for uh, a highway accident cleanup agency and taking shit home and going, eh, that corpse looks pretty good. I think I'll have my way with her. You know, it's yep. just as act of antisocial behavior. So, uh, but Deadbeat at Dawn, yeah, it's it's such a gem uh i uh, that's it, one of those things where i i wish more people could see it and if they haven't because it's it is a masterpiece in many many ways
2: yeah uh, I, but, I just i just it's just amazing though to me like i said like my wife knows bone crushers dialogue <laughs> not from the movie <laughs> but that's from it. the re- yeah that's yeah, great yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah and it was cool You remember cam during our reunion gig it's like everyone just we had the tape and everything but everyone just kind of out there watching the show was just like doing the dialogue themselves and I oh like, yeah that
2: was amazing easy
1: yeah. hey so uh,
0: so wait steve quick real quick uh just speaking of uh, reunion gigs uh is there a chance ever of getting another impetigo show
1: uh, well I, I don't like to say never but i'm The fact of the matter is, you know, the older we get and our lives get a little weirder and things happen. And I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm uh, six hours away from where we lived when we were in the band. Mark is a couple hours further west of that. Um, Scotty's still in town doing his thing. And so is Dan. Dan um it 's just real hard to get together with with our lives and i 'm speaking about me right now because I really don 't know what the other guys have going on um i uh, you know everyone 's struggling right now of course because of uh, even more so now than we were ten or fifteen years ago fascist racist theocracy is yes. <laughs> uh, you know they 're trying to grind all of us down oh, yeah. and it 's working. It's definitely working, um, you know the kind of shit you know Frank Zappa said would happen thirty five forty years ago is happening. Uh, you know he said we'd be able to, you know, plug our phone into or into our computer and be able to listen to music over our computer, and I thought that was crazy. He also <laughs> said. <clears throat> He also said that we'd be living in a racist theocracy within the next 50 years, and and it's happening. Here we are. Uh, but uh, I have, like I said, I have a I have a, a decent job. It, yeah, it's 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 killing me every day, but that's what jobs do. Um, but you know, my my kids both decided to stay in town, and uh, when they grew up and graduated from college, and they both live and work here and uh it's it's um traveling's a little harder on me than it used to be uh it's it's kind of i don't like to say never but right now uh i don't i don't know how it it would ever happen um but uh, again that's not to say it's not going to happen and and if my voice ever gets back to its normal thing uh, uh, i have some arthritis so i i can play the bass for probably about 30 or 40 minutes before it starts to hurt so i'm pretty sure i could muscle my way through that um it's just kind of hard it's it's you know life keeps moving and uh, another reunion gig would be fun uh in some ways it would be really much harder to put together now than it was back then i still don't know i still don't know how we put the 2007 reunion gig together to be frank with you it's it's there was every reason that was going to fall apart because of traveling and because of what was going on in my life at the time, but it happened. I actually changed jobs in the middle of all that. And it was a really, I don't know how I lived through it, but, um, I never like to say never, but right now it's kind of hard to see it happening. Farewell and adieu to you fair
2: Spanish ladies. Farewell
1: and adieu you ladies of
2: Spain. For, received orders for the sale back to boston and so nevermore
1: shall we see you again that was great but it still sounds great that's it, it, a great point it's like that's the the stuff from your last tour the Clips i saw live it's like you know fucking a that is amazing because it's like you got these vince Neil is, is oh, yeah. <laughs> axel rose these guys are definitely you know, got to hang it up. I mean, yeah. it's like you know, you see Jeff Tate in the '80s and '90s, and you see him twenty years later. It's not Jeff
0: Tate anymore. Yeah, and you know, uh, Steve, look, it's you, really hard to keep that up, man. Yeah, well, look, you 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 know that. I mean, as as a death metal, yeah. as a death metal vocalist, but you know what I think's funny is you have people like Cam, you have Dave Ingram who sounds as good now as he did back hey, in huh, the old days, yeah. and you have Mark Crew who just showed up on this new as in uh, as in yeah. Hell, and it sounds. As good as he did in the more probably better than he even did in the Morgoth days, and I'm absolutely amazed because then you see, you know, this is extreme, you know, death metal yeah. vocals, and then right. you see these, you know, metal singers that are just falling off by the wayside, <laughs> but you you still get some of these old, Ugh. some of these, you know, original yeah. death metal vocalists that are still as strong as ever, and who would have ever thought, you know what I mean? Right. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm,
2: I'm going to plug Nancy Reagan. I'm going to plug into my Nancy uh, Reagan here. <laughs> and yeah. Just, did you tell you say that? no. Say no to drugs guys. <laughs> <laughs> say no.
1: Well, that <laughs> and that yeah. and some some guys, you know, you do have to you do have to change your routine and yeah. some people are just unwilling to do it or they can't figure it out. I mean, I'm sure you agree with me here, Cam. The stuff you do to prepare vocally for a show now is not the same thing you did 30 years ago uh you know i used to drink chocolate milk by the gallon and get things lubed up if i drink a glass of chocolate milk right now i'm in the shitter 20 minutes oh later. yeah
2: because of lactose intolerance yes i okay. can't do that i totally get it and, you know, uh, i'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up oh yes I have to bring this up i have to bring this up okay <laughs> <laughs> he, he did ask he did ask me a couple of episodes ago what did he, what did i do to, to warm up what did i do because right. he then he admitted that he used to vomit and then mm. i i said well that reminds me of steve-o i think steve-o used to vomit yeah, yeah. on stage <laughs> yes <laughs> like yeah. yes so it was always like and the, the chocolate milk helped
1: up. with that too yeah the, the vomiting yeah. that was just accidental i think and that was performance art like i said performance art has always been kind of a a fun thing for me and mm-hmm. it was like it, it it came up quite accidentally and i can't remember the show we were playing uh it might i had tried everything you know it did the, i was gonna go back there and get a cup of fake blood and worms and spit them out and uh th- that's good that works but sometimes you swallow the blood it doesn't and the, if you swallow a fishing worm let me tell you right yeah. now that is <laughs> oh. a horrifying experience but and you know it, it's hard you gotta find a song where you can walk back there and get the cup you know uh us guys who are uh tethered to an instrument it's a lot harder yes. to do stuff like that. And we were just playing. I can't remember what happened. And I had always been a guy who could puke at will. Um, it was a fun thing at college parties. You know, you, you knew a couple of guys who knew you and knew you could get it going. And, you know, start getting the chant going. Puke, puke, puke. And you just kind of get everybody here. Everyone gather around. I'm going to show you a magic trick. And <laughs> people are chanting puke. So you got to be pretty drunk not know what's going to happen next. Uh, and, you know, and and I would just... Throw three fingers up, and I was lean over and just start vomiting, like projectile vomiting, all over everything. I've always been able to do it without sticking my fingers down my throat, just kind of summon it up from my bowels and let her rip. And we were playing, and I thought red wigglers. If I don't know, it's you know sometimes when you play, you don't remember anything that's going on. It's kind of like your wedding day. Everyone's like, you'll forget all this, and they're right. You will. You forget everything um and playing live is is kind of like most of us are kind of in a zone when it's happening especially for going for a more of a theatrical like i'm you know i i'm not just going to stand here and you know tap my feet and la 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 these guys are here to see us or here to see the band we're opening for and i'm gonna uh you know do something great for them and for me, you know, because I'll get a kick out of it too. There's always a little bit of selfishness in this. We made we made the records that our fr- uh, the music that our friends liked, but we also kind of liked it too. If you don't, you're not you're not doing yeah, it right.
2: exactly. Yep
1: and you know red wigglers is 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 a famous song inspired by the wkrp commercial the red wigglers the cadillac of worms it's about it's actually about my wife's fear of food poisoning when we were dating he's like oh you know if that pork isn't fully cooked we're going to get sick this <laughs> can of beans is real old don't eat it we're going to get sick and it kind of like and i was like oh yeah yeah this is palatable i love it i love it you know no more there's a thing under my bed there's a, like we're going to eat this shit and die uh and the red wigglers jingle was always a favorite of mine so i i decided to do the carcass thing and write a song about foodborne illnesses and there's this part in the middle of the song where things get kind of weird and psychedelic and little sound effects and i thought and we're playing and i all of a sudden two and two together i said i should just walk over to the edge of the stage and puke right now that would be awesome (laughs) <laughs> spur of the moment thing and I walked over and I did it and everybody lost their shit. Of course, some people are running and it was like, <laughs> what the hell's going on here? And, and yeah, it, it, we didn't play a lot, but it, it, it was something that, it, that did add to the, the Mystique, or not the Mystique, there's no mystery about it. Steve-O pukes during Red Wigglers. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, It was was just one of those impetigo things. It was like, oh, he's going to puke during this song. And uh, unfortunately, like I said, for the reunion show, I couldn't get it together. Uh, I did try, but... You know, again, some things you lose when you get older and that's just the way. Yep.
0: It goes. Yeah, but dude, that's awesome. And I mean, that's funny because you, know, that's the things people remember. So if you ask yeah. like Chris, if you ask Chris, Chris Wickline or probably Pat from killing addiction, you know, we used to always play with them and they, you know, for them, it was always great. Cause it would be like, you know, five minutes before we, you know, five minutes before we play, I'd be there on this freaking side somewhere, just hurling my guts up because, yeah. you know, I was like, Oh, well, yeah. you know, this is going to help me sound deeper and more aggressive. Because I'm like you, I can puke on command. I don't have to stick yeah, anything down go. my throat. You know, it's which yeah. is, by the way, horrible for your esophagus and yeah. your in your body. You know, it's- it
1: is. This also ruins a good time if you happen to have a few beers at a at a all you can eat buffet, and all of a sudden it's like, am I going to burp? or Am I going to vomit? I don't know. <laughs> it's the it's it's kind of related to the fart chart thing. It's like yeah, it, this yeah. might not be a fart. Oh, this might not be a burp
0: where's steve going he's either gonna burp or he's gonna throw up he don't know <laughs> oh well look man on that we gotta start wrapping it up because it's almost been an yeah. hour it's almost uh, been an hour and a half and look we could talk to you forever i mean steve this uh, is no i'm not gonna talk to you
1: either. this has been a lot of fun i just do want to say that you know the you know, cam uh you know <clears throat> full disclosure here you know i've always been always been a big fan and a very and and always love talking to you and and what you did you know is so significant um i I wish you could put a million dollars and less medicine in your pocket right now but um i i've always appreciated the massive amount of respect um that you've commanded for the things you've done uh and the things you're doing now and and uh in my book about the underground i'm never gonna write you know, it always says you know there are four or five guys uh, who really who really shaped 90% of the stuff you're listening to right now. It, it, Paul Speckman's one of them. is definitely one of them. Uh, it's uh, you were and just the under, going back to the underground trading thing. It's like that first flyer I got in a mail that had that. The 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 you know the 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 flyer the death with the the handwriting and everything on it and
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. I, I that you 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 launch so many bands with that uh you know and and with the massacre people watch the videotape of the five twenty five eighty six show it's like that is th- that is all strictly canon in death metal and and um. I know sometimes it's it's uh, you know for for me it's true I know sometimes you forget about that kind of uh influence you've you've had on people you'll never meet and a lot of people who don't even know who you are yeah. but uh that is severe it's sincere and uh, on behalf of the guys who don't know and the guys who do know, I always like to publicly acknowledge um what you did and what you still do, because it was, it it, it, was, it was huge. It was huge. Uh, you did not know what kind of risk you were getting behind that drum kit, uh, doing that shit when you did it. Uh, you were just having fun.
2: Yeah, I and, appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs>
1: and I think that that's what a lot of people forget anymore is like, this is what it's all about. Is just you just get your folks together and you have fun. Uh, yep. If no one ever hears it and no one ever acknowledges it, that's okay.
2: Yeah. you're just having fun. Yep. Okay, thank you, thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. Dude, I, <laughs> I,
0: I, I know how much Cam hates compliments. I know that's absolutely just killed him. I know
2: yeah. he does. And,
1: and, compliment and, me. It's like the uh, most uncomfortable uh, <laughs> <laughs> thing. Make sure I'm comfortable. That's fine. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes yeah. you need to hear it. it,
0: right. it yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and Steve, yeah. oh, coming coming from you, you know who also you know you played a huge role in everything. And I mean, I know. I know you are probably self-aware enough to understand the influence you've definitely had on people along the way, and you know we appreciate that. I mean, I know when we do when we started this podcast, there you know really you know it was you were on a very short list of people we had to get, you know, and we appreciate yeah. uh, you coming well, that's on, awesome. brother.
1: Well, I'm glad it worked out, and I appreciate you having me. And, cool. and I and I appreciate the comments. And hey. I'll always and not to get the last word. Go on for baptized blood. I, uh, you know, you wouldn't heard that. It's all there, man. It's all there. can fucking Lee All right, wait a minute. We forgot to put this on the set list. Jeff, come here. Jeff. Here, get get on this side. Okay, this is Jeff. Everybody say hi, Jeff. Everybody. Okay, <laughs> so everybody knows Jeff now. So we're gonna do a song called Hey Jeff, what's up? Okay, and Jeff's gonna tell us what's up. Okay, here we go. So, Hey Jeff, what's up? <laughs> what's up?
2: What's up? Oh, not a
1: whole lot. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Oh, what's up? Hey.